In a horrific act of anti-Muslim terrorism, a 48-year-old man drove a van into a group of Muslims near a mosque in Finsbury Park in London on Sunday. He shouted, I want to kill all Muslims. I did my bit. You deserve it. One man was killed, ten others were wounded. According to the Daily Mail, quote, the unnamed man, who was clean-shaven with curly hair and wore a white t-shirt, suffered cuts to his face and hands and was filmed repeatedly shouting, kill me, to the men who grabbed him. After his arrest, the terror suspect continued to goad the crowds that witnessed the attack by smiling, waving, and even blowing kisses at them. The incident's horrific. The perpetrator should spend the rest of his life in prison because the UK has no death penalty. The left isn't wrong to connect it with an upsurge in anti-Muslim crime. According to London Mayor Sadiq Khan, who has been far too permissive with regard to Islamic radicalism on his own soil, he released police figures that showed, according to Newsweek, quote, Islamophobic attacks had risen fivefold since the ramming and knife assault, a 40% increase in racist attacks. The numbers from London's Metropolitan Police show that anti-Muslim motivated incidents had risen to a daily 2017 average of four to as many as 20. But it is wrong to use the anti-Muslim attack as justification for the equivalency between the dangers of the rise of radical Islam and the rise of anti-Muslim xenophobia. That is absurd. Yes, attacks on Muslims have risen, and that is unjustifiable and awful. Major attacks on Muslims by anti-Muslim terrorists are far less common, however, than major radical Muslim attacks on non-Muslims across Europe, and they are supported by no major terrorist group, let alone state actors. Radical Muslims run states. Anti-Muslim countries do not exist in the same way. Even the most extreme anti-Muslim countries have Muslim populations, for example. This London attack marks the first major terror attack in Great Britain against Muslims since 2013, when a Ukrainian student attempted to bomb a mosque in Birmingham and stabbed a young Muslim man to death. If I missed one, I apologize in advance. In the last four months, however, we have seen the Westminster terror attack, the Manchester Arena bombing, and the London Bridge attack. This is not to suggest that violent anti-Muslim terror attacks are somehow better or less disgusting than violent radical Muslim terror attacks on others, but they are far less statistically frequent, have nearly no global support, and earn the round condemnation of the entire Western world. The left has attempted to broaden the conversation to include individual hate crimes, for example, harassing a woman in a hijab, but if we do that, we also have to include the rate of hate crimes by Muslims against others, e.g. Jews across Europe. We have a moral obligation to fight against terrorism wherever we see it, but to pretend that a widespread anti-Muslim terror network is spreading across the West, organized or disorganized, is a deliberate misreading of the situation by people who are politically motivated to wave away the continuing threat of radical Muslim terrorism. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. All righty, so we have a lot to talk about today. I want to talk about what looks like it could be looming war over Syria. President Trump seems to be in a position where the Russians are now trying to push him around in Syria, so we'll talk about that momentarily. We'll also talk about Megyn Kelly and Alex Jones, and I want to talk a fair bit today about the situation with these alt-right protesters storming the stage at Julius Caesar at Shakespeare in the Park, because I think it's indicative of something else that's happening in the modern right-wing movement that is uh, troubling, to say the least. But before we get to any of that, I first want to say thank you to our sponsors, over at MVMT, over at MVMT. So Movement Watches was founded on the belief that style should not break the bank. And this watch right here, which I wear every single day, it is an awesome, awesome watch. You can see it really classy and minimalist. That is their design. They've sold over a million watches to consumers in 160 countries around the world. I love this watch. It gets compliments all the time. It's lightweight, but, it, but it's really sleek and, uh, and solid as well. Feels great and, and 
looks great. And the, the company started by two broke college kids that wanted to wear stylish watches, but they couldn't afford them, so they started their own watch company instead. They start at just $95. At a department store, you're looking at a $400 to $500 watch. These start at like 95 bucks. This one right here, I think it was like 150 bucks, which is really not bad for a super quality watch. Inexpensive, uh, really great. They figured out that by selling online, they could cut out the middleman. They don't get the markup at your local department store. Again, they've already sold over a million watches, and you get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns if you go to MV mvmt.com slash Shapiro. That's MVMT movement, mvmt.com slash Shapiro. Make sure you use the slash Shapiro. You get 15% off your order today, mvmt.com slash Shapiro. And uh, also that will ensure that they know that we sent you so that they will continue to advertise the program and make it possible for us to do the show. Okay, so lots and lots of breaking news happening uh, in, in the news today. So we talked about this terror attack in London. I wanted to lead off with that specifically because I think it's important for those of us who are on the right to point out when these sorts of attacks occur because terror is terror is terror. That doesn't mean the terror movements are all the same. It doesn't mean the terror is the same danger from all quarters, but it is important to mention when a terror attack like this occurs because otherwise we are not being we're not being objective or honest in, in what's happening around the world. Okay, other big news today is that the, the Russian government is basically now threatening war with the United States over Syria, which is, I, I, you know, I think that they're bluffing. I think there's a, a pretty solid shot that they are bluffing, but it's dangerous anyway, obviously. Uh, right now, if you, if you look at the situation, basically in Syria, you've got the Kurds all the way up in the north and then in the west, you have the, you have, I mean, in the east, you have ISIS, which is this big block of territory in the east. And then the rest of the country, sort of the everywhere from the southeast to the northwest, is split between the Free Syrian Army, that would be the Syrian rebels, and Bashar Assad's government. Bashar Assad's government is being propped up right now by Vladimir Putin. So here's the situation. According to CNN, on Sunday, an American jet shot down. A, a Syrian jet. The shootdown came a little more than two hours after forces allied with the Syrian regime of Bashar al-Assad attacked the north-central Syria town of Jadin, which was controlled by the Syrian defense forces. In accordance with rules of engagement and in collective self-defense of coalition partner forces, the Syrian jet was immediately shot down by a U.S. F FA-18E Super Hornet. So I hope that I'm reading that correctly. In any case, we shot down a Syrian jet and the Russians immediately threatened retaliation. The Russian Defense Ministry announced, quote, all kinds of airborne vehicles, including aircraft and UAVs of the international coalition detected west of the Euphrates River, which includes part of Iraq, will be tracked by the Russian SAM systems as air targets. So they're threatening to start shooting down American planes. Once they start threatening to shoot down American planes, then we are on the brink of war which is obviously a frightening scenario. This was created by Barack Obama. This has nothing to do with President Trump. President Trump did say during the campaign to Hillary Clinton that her attempt to, her, her suggestion that we set up a no-fly zone over Syria could lead to World War III. Now it appears that we are engaging in an air war with the Syrians. Uh, that is, I think, a, a not bad move, actually, by President Trump, but I think we have to acknowledge the risks that are entailed here. David French has suggested partition of the country. We support the Kurds up north to create their own independent state uh, and that we guarantee air coverage over that area uh, and that we guarantee air coverage over various other areas. But uh, we're playing a dangerous game of chicken with the Russians, and this is all because Barack Obama never had a Russian strategy, a Syrian strategy and didn't do anything back in 2013 when he could have and should have. So, Again, I can't blame President Trump for this, and I won't blame President Trump for a situation he was handed by his unbelievably incompetent predecessor. Again, I don't think there's any long-lasting great solution here, um, but 
the only solution here is going to be something that nobody really likes very much. Okay, so the big news over the weekend, at least in the domestic political area, was that there are these alt-right protesters who have decided to run up on stage at the Julius Caesar production of Shakespeare in the Park. Now, we talked about this production last week. This is the production where the Julius Caesar part is staged clearly as President Trump. Uh, His wife is staged clearly as Melania Trump, and then he is assassinated. Now, for those who don't know the play, the basic concept of the play is that Julius Caesar is has overweening ambition but is assassinated by a bunch of senators who want to restore the republic and then the entire thing breaks down the assassination of Caesar is not seen in a particularly good light in the play the assassination of Caesar is seen as a big mistake by Brutus Cassius and all the conspirators and the Roman mob is basically whipped into a frenzy by Mark Antony to permanently end democracy and republic uh, and republicanism in Rome so at the very least you know, if you read the play, it is not clear that the play is in favor of Trump, quote, you know, Trump Caesar being assassinated. But the imagery is disturbing. Obviously, we played it last week, uh, and it I think is an obvious and silly representation by the by the people who decided to do the play. It is not, however, linked, and this is this annoys me. It is not advocacy or defense of violence, and it is not linked. It is not linked to the assassination attempts on congressional members by this far-left anti-Trump guy. There is no evidence whatsoever that he went and saw the play and then was inspired to do this. Even if there had been, I'm deeply uncomfortable with this notion that if you listen to Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh and then you go shoot somebody, that is Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh's fault. If they are not advocating violence, it is not their fault. Okay, this is a game that we can play all day long, but it's a stupid game and it's a counterproductive game. So, nonetheless, there are a bunch of people who want to get their name in the paper, so they've decided they're going to rush up on stage at these events. Now, I am against, as a general rule, snowflakery of all forms. I don't like when people rush on stage when I am speaking. I would be a hypocrite if I said it was okay for people to rush on stage when someone else is speaking. The justification people use when they rush up on stage and try to shut down my speeches or Ann Coulter's speeches or Milo's or Charles Murray's or Ayan Hersey Ali's or Heather McDonald's, whenever they do this, what they say is they are trying to prevent hate speech because that hate speech will generate violence. This is always their excuse. Always. And here is what it looks like when they do these things. And it is bad, okay? This is what happened at Cal State LA back in February 2015. Here is what happened. And this is how it's written. You w- And there it is, gang. Guess what? You know what? They're not going to stop us. They pulled the fire alarm in the middle of the speech. We had footage, but there was a big riot outside. Basically, people were assaulting people in the crowd. It was disgusting then. It is disgusting now. Okay, here is protesters blocking the stage at University of Wisconsin. This is very similar to what just happened at Shakespeare in the Park. I was speaking at University of Wisconsin. A bunch of protesters decided to get up and shout at me and disrupt the proceedings. The police wouldn't do anything about it. And then they all stood in front of the stage, and they started blocking the proceedings. Here's what that looked like. Okay, so again, you know, this notion that I'm unfamiliar with people doing this sort of thing is ridiculous. Or the notion that I am somehow against this sort of stuff because of cowardice. I go on college campuses all the time, and I speak to crowds in which this kind of stuff occurs. It is always stupid. It is always gross. It is always counterproductive. It is always anti-free speech. Over at DePaul University, I risked arrest to walk onto campus. Here is what it looked like when when the administration there decided that they would not let me even enter the campus to speak. Now, I want to point something out. After they informed me that they would arrest me because it would be trespass, it's a private university. I don't have a right to be there. So I left. Here is what that looked like. 
just to be just to be clear, if I attempt to enter that hall right there and sit down just to listen to somebody speak, or if I attempt to ask a question or to engage in free speech, you will have me arrested. At this point, yes, sir. Okay, and so I took all of the people from DePaul and we went to a place off campus where we then proceeded to engage in our free speech event anyway. So all of that is prelude to what happened at Shakespeare and Park. And the reason I put that out there is number one, because I have lived this experience many times. And number two, because it is wrong when the left does it and it is similarly stupid and wrong when the right does it, okay? Here is what happened. This is on Friday evening. Uh, the, the thing is Jack but I don't really know how to who he is or his name until he started tweeting at me. Uh, and Laura, Laura, Lauren, don't know who they are. But in any case, they storm the stage and they make a big deal out of it. And now they're raising all sorts of money for themselves. Here's the first alt-right storming of the stage. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to pause. We're going to pause. Security. Security, please. They're shouting liberal hate kills and this is violence. And then Pasabajabadu, he gets up and he starts shouting how everybody is uh, Goebbels and uh, everyone here is a Nazi, everyone here is Goebbels because they've come to watch a production of Julius Caesar in which the current leader of the country is portrayed as Julius Caesar, which by the way happened in 2011 when a Minneapolis theater portrayed President Obama as this. Now, I thought it was ridiculous and stupid when the left went insane after a rodeo clown in Missouri dressed up as President Obama. The left went nuts. It was ridiculous then. It is ridiculous now for people to go crazy over a piece of art that they don't like. It's really, really stupid. But that's not stopping the right from now engaging in the same sort of snowflakery. And make, let me make something clear, okay? People have been acting like this is, oh, well, you know, we're just using their tactics against them. No, that's not what this is, okay? That's not what this is. Because even if the left stopped shutting down my speeches or Anne's speeches or Milo's speeches or any of the rest of these, presumably these alt-right protesters would still go and do this stuff. They would still go and do it. Why? Not because they're trying to demonstrate that the tactic is wrong. They're doing it because they are offended by the content, which makes them right-wing snowflakes. Although they're not even really right-wing because I have yet to identify their right-wing principles other than that they don't like the left. It's just, it's just insane. Here's Laura Ingram tweeting about this. Right, she tweeted, quote, the left doesn't like it when their tactics are used against their expression. How many would storm stage if Obama was stabbed? Okay, first of all, in Minneapolis, none of them stormed the stage. But second of all, if they did, I would say that was bad and stupid. I would say that is a dumb thing to do because you don't have a right to destroy people's place of business. You don't have a right to interfere with someone else's freedom of speech. Now, this is not the same thing as establishing a mutually assured destruction with regard to boycotts, for example. I have a right to do with my money what I want. You have the right to do with your money what you want. If you want to boycott Chick-fil-A and I want to boycott MSNBC, that is perfectly within our purview. What I cannot do and what you cannot do, you can't walk down to Chick-fil-A, occupy the place, okay? When Black Lives Matter did that to a bunch of brunches in New York City, it was stupid, it was counterproductive, and it was gross. And by the way, it led people to react by electing Donald Trump. Trump's response to this kind of behavior, by the way, was not to go and shut down leftist events. It was to point out that the left was shutting down his events, which was eminently correct. So for all the people who keep saying, well, we have to use their strategies because they're winning, no, they are not. They've lost over a thousand seats all across the country. Trump is the president and we and Republicans control the, the Congress as well as the Senate. The notion that the left is winning because of Antifa snowflakes or because of the people at University of Wisconsin shutting things down, it's just idiocy. It's just idiocy. So no, that's not even strategically, it's not some sort of strategic genius. So they do it again, 
on Sunday night. And of course, again, because so much of the right has become tribal instead of smart or conservative, there are a lot of people who have defended this activity, which I'll show you in a second. So here's the second protester jumping on stage on Sunday night. Kills, liberal hate kills. I've been on the receiving end of this routine from the left. Okay? Verbiage does not kill. Words are not violence. And the minute I've preached against this for years, okay? The minute you start suggesting that words are violence, we grow ever closer to violence. The minute you start suggesting that simple political discourse, discourse you don't like, is equivalent to violence, then you are justifying violence in the name of shutting down that discourse. It's disgusting and it's wrong. Okay, it's wrong and it's just as wrong as when the left does it. I don't understand why I have to explain this to people who are conservative and are supposed to be grounded in a Judeo-Christian value system that suggests the value of other human beings and the value of free speech. It's really quite disgusting and horrifying. Okay, and then a guy gets up and he starts yelling that CNN is ISIS at this situation. Again, very helpful. I just want to point something out. Everybody keeps shouting about Goebbels, okay? Let me point something out about Goebbels and, and the Nazis. What they actually used to do is shut down Marxist events. Okay, if there was a Marxist political event, they would send stormtroopers to shut it down. And not when they were in the not when they were elected. Okay, like independent little Antifa type groups. This is just it's just dumb. But Sean Hannity, who again, I love Sean Hannity as a person, but Sean is is, I think. I think he is pandering to the worst group of people on the right. Sean Hannity tweets this, right? So Sean is tweeting about this last night. I tweeted that this, this has to stay. He tweeted, wild night, liberal hate kills, chance protester. Okay, now, Sean gives opinions for a living. He is an opinion host. He is not an objective journalist. When I called him on this and I said, this is, this is I said, the left chance conservative hate, conservative hate kills, and you call them snowflakes, which is right. Stop with this stupidity. And then Sean tweeted back, Ben, the only person being stupid here is you. I was tweeting exactly what was said with video. I'm mature enough to let people decide. But you, do you have an opinion? Do you have an opinion on this, Sean? I mean, and then later Sean did express his opinion, which is that he thinks it's perfectly fine that they shut this thing down because it was disrespectful to the president of the United States. And in his opinion, it was forwarding violence. Again, I, I'm going to be, God forbid, somebody should shoot a, a person on the left who, and, and, the, and the shooter happens to be somebody who once listened to Sean Hannity's show. I was somebody who two weeks ago, two freaking weeks ago, two weeks ago, folks, I was sitting here defending Sean Hannity from boycott over the Seth Rich stuff. Okay, but the entire left was going after him. And what did Sean say? He said, just because I was covering a story in a particular way doesn't mean that the left should target me for destruction. Okay, so the, all of this is, is highly irritating. And I want to talk about a few more points I have to make on this before I get to uh, how the left has reacted to the shooting, because the left is reacting just as abysmally as you would expect them to. But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Upside.com. So if you are into traveling, if you are a business traveler particularly, Upside.com is for you. Every time you buy a trip at Upside, you save a lot of money, and they give you an Amazon gift card worth $100, $200, even $300 every single time. So the flight is cheaper for your company, and then you also get the Amazon gift card that comes directly to you, not just to your company. What they do is they bundle your flight and your hotel for one price. They can offer you all sorts of options. If you take a different flight, if you come into a different airport, if you go to a different hotel, 
It saves money, especially on business travel, because it's mostly for people who are traveling by themselves on business travel. If you're doing that, there's no better company than Upside.com. If you're shopping for business or personal travel as well, it takes three minutes to see how much you can save. Go over to Upside.com and check it out. I spoke with the founder of the company, Jay Walker, and he is just a genius. He was, he was very, uh, I, I think he was the founder of one of the other major travel sites, and Upside is sort of the next step in travel. So if you use my name, Ben, right now, you are guaranteed to get at least a $200 Amazon gift card for your very first trip. My name, Ben, and it gets you that $200 Amazon gift card free. Save big on travel, get a big gift card every single trip. Upside.com, Upside.com, minimum purchase required. I'm sorry, it's a $100 gift, gift card for your first trip. Um, minimum purchase required. See the site for complete details, Upside.com, and make sure that you use my name, Ben, get that $100 Amazon gift card for free and you can go check it out right now and remember use that promo code. Okay, so a couple of more points on this because I think that this is important. I think it goes deep to the heart of what the conservative movement wants to be. Do we want to be a movement that suggests that we are going to shut down the left when we don't like what they say? Or are we gonna be a movement that actually has some principles? Now, there are a lot of people on the right who have been who have started using this, this phrase, ma principles, M-U-H principles, ma, like, as opposed to my principles. And the idea is that you're a baby because you're whining about ma principles, oh. You have principles too. If you're one of these people, you have principles too. But you need to name them for me because those principles obviously don't include the idea that you don't get to destroy somebody's establishment just because you don't like what they're saying. I assume, and now you say your principle is winning. That's not a principle. That is a goal, okay? A principle is something that you are willing to lose to uphold. Okay, what are you willing to sacrifice in order to uphold the principle? I am willing to sacrifice the notion that a play offends me based on the principle that you shouldn't shut down free speech even for people I don't like. I'm willing to sacrifice that. By the way, I don't think they're winning because of that. Okay, freedom of speech, speech is a principle. Storming my speeches, storming plays, it is wrong. It's wrong whether we do it, it is wrong whether they do it. Not the same thing as an economic boycott. And there's that other principle that I mentioned too, that words are not violence. I've spent my entire career saying words are not violence. The left says they are violence, and now we've got half the right saying that words are violence. This is the predicate to legislation to tamp down on speech in order that this is how you get to Canada. You want to know how you get to Canadian version of free speech where people get sued for things that they don't like? Okay, the reason is because there are a bunch of people who say that it causes violence. And then there's the tactical argument. So my friend John Nolte, who I love, I love John, okay, but John wrote this piece today attacking me by name. And because at Daily Wire, I want to have a site where we have a multiplicity of viewpoints, I printed it. He used the Mupp Principles line. I printed it. I disagreed with every word of it, including and and the. He talks about how these people storming Julius Caesar, it was like Lincoln suspending habeas corpus. Okay, this, this is just ridiculous to me for a couple of reasons. One, Lincoln suspended habeas corpus during an actual civil war. Like, there was a war on. If we're going to use wartime morality in peacetime, we're pretty soon going to be in a war. Like, there will be an actual war if we use wartime morality in peacetime. Okay, don't quote Sherman unless you're willing to burn Atlanta. Furthermore, if we're going to pretend that the left is winning because they, as John says, break windows, hurl eggs, shoot us, shout us down, they're not. They're losing because of all of this. The more extreme the left becomes, the more they lose. The left's insanity drove the right to victory across the country. Let's not pretend that Donald Trump came along and suddenly the right won. The right had won a thousand seats across the country. The right had won back the House and the Senate before Donald Trump was even mentioned as a presidential candidate. Okay? Trump did a lot of good things. One of the things he did was he called out the left when he did this stuff. One of the things he did not do was attempt to shut down leftist speech. John asked for a plan. He said, so what's your plan if you're not storming stages? Here's my plan. Speak on college campuses, point out 
to the press as loudly and as often as possible when they refuse to allow us to speak. And by the way, it works. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Barack Obama, all have come out against the college snowflakery that is now being evidenced from the right. And finally, there's a morality of the tactics question, okay? Some of these tactics are just not moral, okay? They are not doing this again because they are attempting to stop the left from doing it. They are doing it because they are offended. If you are trying to shut down someone's free speech because you are offended, you are the problem. You are the snowflake. You're the person doing something wrong. Okay. Now, as we continue here, I want to talk about the, the left's response to the shootings because the fallout from that is just insane. The left has lost its mind as well. Um, but in order for you to see that, you're going to have to go over and subscribe over at dailywire.com. $8 a month. Get you a subscription to Daily Wire. Lots of extra goodies coming that we are planning. Uh, you see, we're moving into our new studios here. It is not going to actually be this funeral home where we are currently doing the show, but there's a beautiful new studio being built, just taking a little longer than we thought it was going to, and the acoustics are better in here than they were in my library. So we are going to be moving into brand new studios so you can see all that. We have lots of other goodies coming for subscribers. If you become an annual subscriber, you get a free signed copy of Say It So, Papa, Dad, Me, and the 2005 White Sox Championship season. Uh, if you didn't get your dad a Father's Day gift and you were remiss because you're a terrible child, then now you can fix all that by getting him an annual subscription or get yourself the annual subscription and give him the book. Uh, free signed copy. Uh, or if you just want to listen later, go over to iTunes or SoundCloud. Give us a listen, subscribe, give us a rating. We always appreciate it. We are the largest conservative podcast in the country. Okay, so the leftist reaction to the shooting has been nearly as egregious as the right-wing reaction. So the left, of course, now suddenly has fallen in love with free speech, has fallen in love with civility. Again, they, they, it's funny. They, they, they just want to avoid the, the blowback that they created for the right. So they're now embracing these principles. But that's nice. Now we can hold them to it. Uh, but there are some people who are, are not really holding to it. So Joy Reid is one of them. I was on MSNBC this morning on Morning Joe. As you know, I am not a fan of MSNBC, but uh, I like appearing on TV to give perspectives that I think are valuable. I took the opportunity on MSNBC to bash Joy Reid, who is the host, a host on MSNBC. So I bashed her on MSNBC. Uh, here is what Joy Reid had to say about Steve Scalise, who is the House Majority Whip who was shot and nearly killed uh, in, this, in this congressional terror attack. And Trump also tweeted about his poll numbers this morning, citing a new new poll by the conservative Rasmussen Reports that puts his approval rating at 50 percent and noting that's higher than O's numbers. Obsessed with President Obama much? OK, so she's very upset about about Trump's tweets. But here's the thing that is really troublesome about about Joy Reid. So Joy Reid went ahead and talked about how she hopes Scalise recovers, but it's a delicate situation because of his positions. She actually said this. This is a direct quote from her. She said, it's a delicate thing because everybody is wishing the congressman well and hoping that he recovers, but Steve Scalise has a history where we've all been forced to sort of ignore on race. He did come to leadership after some controversy over attending a white nationalist event, which he says he didn't know what it was. He also co-sponsored a bill to amend the Constitution to define marriages between a man and a woman. He voted for the House health care bill, which, as you said, would gut health care for millions of people. Because he is in jeopardy and everybody is pulling for him, are we required in a moral sense to put that aside at the moment? Well, since it's irrelevant, yes. Since it's irrelevant, yes. When someone tries to assassinate a politician, you don't start talking about his positions because they're not relevant to the actual story. It's just disgusting, which is why I pointed Joy Reid out as part of the problem on her own network this morning, which I think was, was useful. She's not the only one saying these sorts of silly things. Former New York Times editor Jill Abramson, she is talking about how Trump is benefiting from the rage machine as though the left isn't at the same time. 
I, I do th think that both sides are not equally at fault and that there's been a bit of a false equivalency uh, at work, especially in the, the discussion over the past couple of days. Uh, I think that um, in terms of political leadership right now, that both President Trump and the congressional leadership on the Republican side are extremely divisive and that they are really benefiting from a kind okay, all of rage this, All of this school marmory from Jill Abramson, this school marmory, oh, Trump is benefiting from the rage, but we're not benefiting from the rage. Bernie Sanders is a rage machine. He's a crazy old loonbag rage machine. Okay, yes, he's benefiting from the rage. Yes, politicians on both sides benefit from the anger and benefit from the rage. But if anything, it's the left that's benefited from the rage more than the right, considering that their entire platform is now built on, here's the person you ought to hate. Now, he's higher than you on the hierarchy of intersectionality, and therefore you are a victim of this person. The entire leftist premise is built on this sort of hate and rage. So again, the left is not showing itself to be anything but hypocritical when it comes to all their civility talk as well. Uh, basically, everything is stupid and everyone's awful. Okay, now on to President Trump's trouble. So President Trump uh, is supposed to announce this week whether uh, something about the tapes. So remember, he tweeted that he had tapes of himself talking with Jim Comey uh, and, that he, and that Comey better... He didn't actually say he had the tapes. He said Comey better hope there aren't tapes, and then he's refused to acknowledge that he doesn't have the tapes, making trouble for himself. Jay Sekulow is his lawyer. He says that Trump is going to come out this week and talk about the tapes. President is not under investigation. James Comey said it. Nothing has changed since then. The president said last week he would release the tapes of, uh, if there were tapes, of his conversation this week. That hasn't happened. Where is that? I think the president is going to address that in the week ahead. Okay. Uh, there was a lot of issues so think, this past... I think this is all a giant nothing burger. I think the Comey thing is going to turn out to be a nothing burger. As I said, the entire theory is that he... My theory, which is right, just telling you now, it's a right theory, is that James Comey was fired because Trump was pissed at him, that he wouldn't publicly say that Trump was not under investigation. And by doing that in the stupidest possible way, and then connecting it to the Russia investigation, Trump made this problem for himself. And then he tweets out without thinking about it because he just needs to control himself. He's making trouble. For, he could be pushing good policy right now. Let's do that. But he tweeted out last week that he was under investigation, and that forces Jay Sekulow, his lawyer, to go on with Chris Wallace and explain that even though the president says he's under investigation, he's not actually under investigation. It gets very confusing. I mean, you, you've, stated, you've stated some facts. First of all, you've now said that he is being investigated after saying that you didn't. No. You, you just said, no, he's sir, not being that he's being, you just said that he's being investigated. No, Chris, I said that the invent anything. Let me be crystal clear so you completely understand. We have not received nor are we aware of any investigation of the president of the United States. Sir, you just said period. two times that he's being investigated. No. The context of the tweet, I just gave you the legal theory, Chris, of how the Constitution works. If, in fact, it was correct that the president was being investigated, he would be investigating for taking action that an agency told him to take. So that is protected under the Constitution as his Article One power. That's all I said. So I appreciate you trying to rephrase it, but I'm just being no, really I, direct I, with I, you, sir. Here, I didn't rephrase this it. The is, tape will speak. Be, Jay, the tape will speak for itself. You said he is being okay, investigated. All this is super dumb. All this speaks to. We wouldn't even have to have this argument if Trump hadn't started tweeting out about the Washington Post. There's a report today that Trump may not be under investigation. That Robert Mueller, who's the special counsel, may not be investigating him. Again, I think all of this is a giant nothing burger.
I think that it will come to nothing. I don't think Mueller is dishonest enough to push a prosecution against the sitting president of the United States based on a giant nothing. Uh, but I think we can all wait for that to, to happen before we start getting out over our skis on this whole thing. Okay, time for a thing I like, and then we'll do a couple of things that I hate. So things I like, since we were talking about witch hunts, I think we're going to do things that involve witches this week. We did the devil a few weeks ago, so this show's getting very dark. Uh, but <laughs> things involving witch hunts, uh, this, uh, there's a... a Pretty good version of the movie The Crucible, uh, which is the, the Arthur Miller play. Uh, and the movie is with Winona Ryder and Daniel Day-Lewis. Really great cast. Uh, so the, the play is all about the Salem witch trials. And it's really about how people's paranoia about each other leads them to make very terrible decisions about judging one another. Basically, the, the backbone of the play is that the, the person who... There, there's a married guy who is seduced by a young woman, he has an affair with her, and then later she starts a rumor that she's basically a witch. A bunch of girls start a rumor that she's a witch. He has to come to her defense. The truth is the reason she's acting like this is because she's after him and wants to have an affair with him, um, but he refuses to say so, and the rest of the crowd is cracking down on him. Here's a little bit of the preview. Oh, John, give me a soft word. Abby, I may think of you softly from time to time, but I will cut off my hand before I reach for you again. We never touched. Hi. But we did. What some hearts desire, they must possess. I know you, John Proctor. You love me. Whatever sin it is, you love me yet. What they cannot possess, they must destroy. I have a warrant for your wife. For what crime? On what proof? Who charged her? For Abigail Williams charge her. Abigail wants me dead, John. You know it. This girl is false! If you cry words against my wife, it will be the end of you. I am but God's finger, John. If he would condemn Elizabeth, she would okay, be Okay, so she tries to claim that, 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 his, that Proctor's wife is the actual witch. It's, it's actually a very, very good production, very solid production. Uh, so you should check that out. Uh, and next time we talk about a witch hunt, that's, that, that was an actual witch hunt, like in Salem. Uh, okay, uh, now time for a couple of things that I hate. Okay, so... Everybody last week was coming down on Megyn Kelly because they were suggesting from the left that Megyn Kelly was going to be unduly nice to Alex Jones. And Alex Jones released tape of Megyn Kelly talking about how she's going to treat him fairly, which is what every reporter ever says to every interviewee. Then the actual interview broadcast. And it turns out that Megyn Kelly did a very good job of grilling Alex Jones because Alex Jones is a conspiratorial nut job. So Megan has on Alex Jones, and remember, everybody right, left, and center has gone nuts over this. The right has suggested that it's a, it's a witch hunt out to get Alex Jones, and they don't like Megan anyway because Megan left Fox News, and you're never allowed to leave Fox News because that's mean to Fox News, and everybody loves Fox News. She left for NBC, and she wasn't nice to President Trump, so we don't like her. And then the left doesn't like Megan Kelly because she was once on Fox News. Here's the truth. This interview is better than anything that you could have expected from the left. She's a very good interviewer. She's a very good prosecutor. She always was, which is why her ratings on Fox News were always good. Here is Megyn Kelly versus Alex Jones doing something I think is worthwhile since Alex Jones is a major figure in the culture. He's not a major figure in the conservative movement, but he is a major figure on the right, uh, and he is closely associated with the president of the United States. Here's what some of that interview looked like. Our report on the incendiary radio host, Alex Jones. For years, Jones has been spreading conspiracy theories, claiming, for instance, that elements of the U.S. government allowed the 9-11 attacks to happen and that the horrific Sandy Hook massacre 
was a hoax. Many people looked at the victims, many of whom were 15, 14. It was a little... I know, eight. I'm sorry I didn't blow them up. I know, but I did something bad, though. No, that, that oh, no, you no, no, would no, suggest no, no, no. That, that, that an eight-year-old, right? There was Safi Rose Rousseau, eight years old, that she was a liberal trendy, because right? that's what you said about the victims, is what has people no, upset. That's, yeah, no, no, that the media misrepresenting and clipping that the way you did. Jones US. speaks to his of listeners for hours a day, they're six days a week. His rants can be vulgar and hate-filled. Jones began developing his conspiracy theories as a teenager. He grew up the oldest child of a dentist and a homemaker. Jones uses that money to spread his message a message that has caused enormous pain. Okay, so she really grills the crap out of him. I mean, this is a very brutal coverage of Alex Jones. It didn't get good ratings. Part of the reason it didn't get good ratings is again, because Megan is a polarizing figure and the, the and even though I think that she should actually not be nearly as polarizing as she is, but everybody, before you prejudge an interview you've never even watched, why don't you actually wait for the stupid interview to come out? Before you prejudge the Mueller investigation, why don't you wait for his results to come out? This is all not super tough. I mean, honestly, just wait for more evidence. Okay, other things that I hate. This is actually bad media coverage. So, CNN Bakari Sellers, who's, I guess, a, a regular on the network, he's talking about the health care bill that is currently being pushed through the Senate. I think it's going to be a garbage healthcare bill, by the way, but we'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow when we have more time. CNN Bakari Sellers doesn't actually talk about the policies of the healthcare bill. Instead, he says what's really bad is that it's a bunch of white guys writing it. They are literally, literally drafting up a piece of legislation that affects one-sixth of our economy under the cover of darkness, which is 13 all-white males in the back room. And this is the problem that Americans have and why they distrust the process and why they distrust Democrats and Republicans alike. Because we moved too fast in 2009, but the Republicans didn't learn a lesson, and they are now the ones who have the ball, and it's a travesty of justice. Okay, so I really, really hate the, what, what the Democrats did in 2009, and I really don't like what the Republicans are doing now, but it's not because they're white. And this just demonstrates why Trump won. It's why the right will continue to win. Again, the anger, the stupidity, the radicalism of the left that has to polarize everything along lines of race rather than politicians are doing stupid things, having nothing to do with their race. It's, it's just, it's demonstrative of the fact that people are not doing some critical thinking on this stuff on the left and it's going to hurt them. And the right should acknowledge that it's going to hurt them. The right keeps operating from this assumption that they're losing all the time. We're not losing, guys, okay? If we were losing, then we wouldn't be gaining seats in every single election. It's just very silly. Okay, we'll be back here tomorrow. I want to talk more about the health care bill and President Trump's basically quasi-executive amnesty. We'll talk about all of that stuff, plus what President Trump's going to do about Syria. Lots happening in the world. Very, very busy. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, 
I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.